You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. <laughs> this is so hilarious. Welcome once again to 32 Thoughts, the podcast starring Jeff Merrick, presented as always by the all-new GMC AT4 lineup. Sorry, the radio show has gone right to my head, Elliot. I, you know, I was listening to that and I wasn't even bothered by it. <laughs> starring Jeff Merrick. Okay. I didn't think it would, you'd let that one fly by, but you just you just looked at that one to take a strike. To be honest, I'm a little disappointed that you didn't cut me off there. It's one of those things when maybe someone says something to you and you're kind of a second behind because you're thinking to yourself, did I hear what I just heard? I want to make sure that I heard what I just heard. And then the other thing is, I know people out there think I have an enormous ego. And in some cases, I do. But I really don't have a big ego that I would worry about that. If he wants to say the podcast stars Jeff Merrick. You know what? Yeah, I got to tell you, that's not something I'm going to pick a fight over. To be honest, you know why I said that, Elliot? Why is that? We'll get on with Montreal here. I just wanted to see if you were paying attention or if you were like sorting out your sock drawer or counting loose change. You know, it was funny. I was actually going to lead with, I got a call from Amal on uh, Friday night demanding. He didn't even ask. He demanded Demanded. I pay more attention. (laughs) During the podcast, and he said that the reason he was so upset was that when we taped on Thursday night, I was watching the U.S. Thanksgiving football game, and Dallas and Raiders were playing at the same time, so I had... Uh, Greg Zuerlein, the Dallas kicker, and Derek Carr, the Vegas quarterback on my fantasy football team, and I was reacting to everything they were doing. And he said it took him longer to edit the podcast mm. because of all the reacting I was doing. So to me, that's legitimate. Like If he's saying that my lack of an attention span, my cat-like attention span, yeah. is making it harder to edit the podcast... I have to listen to this. So I asked Amal uh, about your focus, specifically when I speak here on the podcast. And he said that if you're going to be expected to pay attention while I speak, you're going to need more money. Is that true? Oh, well, I would leave that kind of negotiation (laughs) off camera or off mic. Right. But the answer is yes. Okay, very good. I'll tell you this. I have no problem with you saying this podcast stars you, but that will cost the money also. Oh, good Lord. Um, Pull some money off the tree in the backyard, everybody. Welcome to 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Uh, We'll lead with a big story, and that is Montreal. Uh, We talked about it Saturday night, and it segues into Sunday, and we'll see what the week brings now. Jeff Gorton, new executive VP of Hockey Operations with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Mark Bergevin, Trevor Timmons, Paul Wilson, all dismissed from the Habs organization. The search on for a general manager who can communicate both in French and in English as well. Before we get to the future, let's go to the past. How did this all come together, Elliot? 
First of all, I think the most amazing thing about it, Jeff, is that it happened almost without being detected. Hmm. For example, if it hadn't gotten out on Saturday, it might not have been announced until Monday morning. And I don't know if anyone would have figured it out. You know, basically, Jeff Molson got within 48 hours of an announcement, even closer than that, I think, before it was kind of detected that something was was going on. So here's what I think kind of happened. There had been a lot of rumors last year before the playoffs that Mark Bergevin's future in Montreal was in doubt. And it wasn't necessarily the Canadians making a choice. It was Mark Bergevin saying after a decade in Montreal, he'd finally burned out. You know, he'd had enough. It was time. The stress and the intensity of the shadow, he was on fumes in Montreal. Plus, like I think like a lot of people, the last two years, the era of COVID, it's basically taken a lot of your stresses and, and made them worse. And so last year before the playoffs, Jeff, we reported that the Canadians were in a conversation with Bergevin about his future heading into the last year of his contract. And I believe that Jeff Molson had an extension on the table for Bergevin, but I don't think Bergevin had decided to take it. I think he was thinking it was just time. And they go on their run, they make the final, and Chris Drury gets hired in New York. And Chris Drury, from what we understand, he's getting paid somewhere around $4.5 million a year. And Mark Bergevin hears this, And the offer from the Canadians is nowhere close to that. And he says, look, I think I should be closer to that. And the Canadians aren't in that ballpark. And plus, as I said, Bergevin is tired. He's exhausted from his decade in Montreal. And he's thinking, it's time for me. If I really believe that if he wasn't going to be paid closer to what the four, four and a half number, he was ready to go. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I also think Molson was upset by Bergevin's post-Stanley Cup press conference last year. Like, this to me is one of the real parts of this story. And I know I'm, I'm going off in tangents, and I'm sorry, I'm trying to keep it straight. The thing about this that's most interesting to me is, for a long time, Bergevin and Molson were simpatico. Molson really believed in Bergevin. Bergevin had the owner's backing. And there were times Canadian fans were like, this can't continue with Bergevin. And Molson always stuck with him. He gave an extent, him an extension early and he refused to fire him. He said, no, I believe in Mark Bergevin's vision. And if you go back to Bergevin's presser after the Stanley Cup final, he's non-committal about staying after this season, except in the right circumstances. And I just think Molson didn't like that. And I think their relationship started to deteriorate. And I think this year at training camp, everybody knew it was going to be the last year. So we know that we're in the last year and this is going to be it. Now, among the staff, there were a lot of staff who were in the last year of their deals too. And one of them was Scott Mellonby, the assistant GM. Now, Scott Mellonby has been Bergevin's right-hand man for a long time. And Bergevin really trusts him. And Mellonby's interviewed for a couple of situations 
but I think Mellonby always hoped that he was going to be a GM in this league and he might still be a GM in this league. And there was a chance that it was going to be in Montreal after Bergevin. And I think Bergevin recommended him to Molson. I think he said, this should be my successor. And I do believe that there were conversations and negotiations between Mellonby and Molson about the job. Negotiations for the position? It was either going to be the executive job that Gordon eventually got or the GM job. Wow. Like there were reports today that Mellonby was told he was promised that he'd be the next GM of the Canadians and ownership changed its mind. I don't know if I would go that far. I don't know if he was promised anything, Mm -hmm. but I do know that they had definitely talked about him, both of those roles. He'd met face-to-face with ownership about those roles. I believe there were contract negotiations about those roles. The only reason I don't want to say the term promised was because I think sometimes, you know, people always warn me, nothing is done until it's done. And it wasn't done. But at the very least, they'd gone the long road down a negotiation in the process and Mellonby had reason to believe he was in their plans. That was definitely true. And it's one of two things happened. Number one, like if you look at it, once they made Gorton the executive vice president, they made it very clear, as you said, Jeff, that whoever the general manager was going to be was going to be someone who could speak in French and English. Mm-hmm. So Gorton and Mellonby together became impossible. The second possibility is that Molson just looked at the way this year was going and said, I don't want anyone tied to it, that this is so bad that we're breaking fresh. Hmm. So I think it's got to be one of those two things. And basically, Jeff, that changed in the last couple of weeks. From what I understand, it went from Mellonby being involved in the conversations to Mellonby kind of being in the dark. And then on Friday, I believe they informed him that they were going in another direction and he was out. And, you know, after the report came out that they were talking to Gorton, Mellonby resigned on Saturday night. Now, then we come to the other part of this story. I'm told that when we reported Gorton on Saturday night, Bergevin had no idea that was happening, that he was completely blindsided by it. Wait a minute. So this is during Hockey Central, 6.30 Eastern, Saturday night. At that point, Mark Bergevin did not know. I was told that when the tweet went out uh, reporting that they were talking to Gorton for a role that was not the GM role, and we'll see, Mm. Bergevin had no idea. Like From what I heard on Saturday night, as members of the Canadians organization started to find out about it, they were caught completely by shock. Molson and whoever knew in addition to him, they kept it quiet from a lot of people until yesterday afternoon. And then obviously it got reported and it got around and Mellonby's resignation got in the public and we started to hear about it. Like they claimed they were totally blindsided. It's a tough thing in particular for Bergevin because he's got COVID, right? So yeah. You know, it's not an easy thing, but it was a big deal. Um, I didn't realize when I first reported it how close we were to an actual announcement, but it's become clear to me that they were going to announce it probably Monday morning. So it got within 
less than 48 hours, Jeff, mm-hmm. of being announced to it finally got out. They did a they did an unbelievable job of keeping it quiet. Now, you know, Bergevin, I think, I, I really thought his resignation letter or letter to the fans, I guess, was excellent. I think the other thing that, you know, I didn't mention in the whole spiel at the beginning as I kind of set the situation is I wonder about the pick last year with Logan Mayu and how much that played a factor in the deterioration of the relationship between GM and owner mm-hmm. and how much that changed things. Not only that they made the pick, but the reaction to the pick, how everything was handled. I can't help but wonder how much of a factor that was. Because again, to me, the most fascinating thing about all this was Bergervan and Molson were joined at the hip. They believed in each other. They supported each other, you know, right up until last year, end of last season. And only in the last few months, does it really seem that their relationship deteriorated to the point that, you know, Bergervan felt he was totally blindsided by this. There's a couple of questions here too, specifically when you, when you mentioned the Logan Mayu pick and, and what that could have done to the relationship between Jeff Molson and uh, Mark Bergevin. I wonder now with a new group coming in, and who knows, we'll wait to find out the answer if they end up renouncing the pick. I don't know. I want to get to what's next for Mark Bergevin here in a second, but you know the obvious question is who becomes then the next general manager? Are they in a hurry to do this? You know, there's a lot of names obviously floating around um, that, you know, have experience who can communicate in both English and French as well. As we record this podcast, the Montreal Canadiens have not reached out to Patrick Waugh. just checked before the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no shortage of, of candidates that are out there from, you know, Daniel Briere to Pat Brisson. I mean, there's a lot. Which direction do you think they, they go in here? Do you have a, do you have a feeling either way? Like if you remember Jeff Gorton in New York, Jeff Gorton does not like a lot of attention. He's happy to quietly. Oh, he had the perfect yes, guy with him in New York. John Davidson, right? <laughs> totally. He likes to put his head down and do the job. And John Davidson would talk, and he'd handle all. Like you know, obviously he talked when he had to, mm-hmm. but he had Davidson to handle a lot of the the media heavy lifting if it was necessary. So I think that Jeff Gorton sees this as he's going to do the same thing. He's going to handle a lot of the decision-making process, but the new general manager, whoever it is, is going to do a lot of the talking and be the face in both English and French, mm-hmm. and Gorton's going to sort of train them and, and handle the key part of the business. So I understand the way that the Canadians are doing this here. I'll tell you this. I think Daniel Briere, who you mentioned, is an excellent name. I do think he's going to be one of the people who is considered. He's learned the business side in the ECHL. He's obviously he's French. You know, he wants to be a GM in the NHL someday. Arizona interviewed him as yeah. part of their assistant GM search that went to John Ferguson. I could see Briere being, you know, one of the names that they talk about. I think some other names you're going to hear. I think Martin Madden from Anaheim. We don't know what's going to happen in Anaheim, but I've had a lot of people suggest to me he'd be the kind of person, you know, Matthew Darsh, Tampa Bay. You know, someone suggested to me, and you would know this name better than I would in terms of the job he's done in the Quebec League, but I've had a couple of people say Jocelyn Thibault. Yeah. 
and Stefan Robida. Thibault's been heavily involved in, in juniors. Uh, Robida owns a team in juniors and worked briefly for the Maple Leafs. You know, a lot of people are talking Briere Madden, and I think if they're interested, I think they will be factors. Mm-hmm. But I, I heard some of those other names as well. I think there are another of a number of young French uh, executives who are just working their way up the ladder. If the Canadians want someone to learn in that scenario, there's going to be the opportunity for some of them there. Patrick Waugh, that name has been out there going back to when we first started to hear that perhaps Bergevin may not go back. Here's the thing about Waugh is, would he want to be the number two to Gordon? Would Gordon want that? I don't know the answer to that. Well, that's all I'm saying. I mean, Martin Madden's an interesting choice, specifically if this is going to be a more, and listen, they're heading into a draft where, I mean, who knows how many first-round draft picks by the time here in the draft the Montreal Canadiens are going to be able to accumulate. That might be a really interesting name if they're going to go the uh, the draft develop route uh, with the Montreal Canadiens. It is an interesting one. I mean, the thing is, he's in Anaheim right now, and we don't know what's going to happen there. You know, I've had people mention his name to me i just don't know is basically it's it's, that's two situations that he's in a situation where it's uncertain Mm -hmm. and he could be going to a situation where he probably would have more power but still wouldn't be the number one guy i mean i just don't know how he'd feel about that how does dom ducharme feel these days i don't know i mean he was burge's guy i don't know i like the one thing is gordon's gonna come in there's gonna have a half a season to figure this all out yeah when you have a season like this, I can't imagine anyone feels incredibly comfortable. And when you take a look at how this weekend unfolded, you're not looking at it and you're, you're saying, okay, our general manager is claiming he had, he was completely blindsided by this and had no idea it was coming. Would anybody feel settled at this point in time? No. So what's next then for Mark Bergevin, do you think? I think that's a great question. You know, people have connected him to L.A. Yep. You know, maybe he's going to want to do the same thing Gorton just did, go into the big executive position, have somebody else do a lot of the day-to-day work. I don't know. Like I said, he was done in Montreal. It was time for him. He just had enough. You know, I've had people say to me that they think the Canucks would have interest in him. If you want a calmer situation than Montreal... Well, I think anything is a calmer situation than Montreal, but not by much. Uh, the other end of the country, Elliot. Uh. <laughs> not by much. <laughs> you know, Mellonby used to work in Vancouver, right? He worked yeah. for Mike Gillis there. So I'm actually curious to see if hmm. he ends up on Vancouver's radar because they know him a little bit. But I think Bergevin's going to be a GM again. I think he's going to want something a little quieter than Montreal and maybe Vancouver. Before we wrap up with Montreal, your thoughts on Mark Bergevin? I mean, he he took the job in 2012 and had it up until today yeah. as we record this podcast at 8.34 Eastern on Sunday evening. How do you look at his time as general manager of the Montreal Canadiens? I mean, what a wild ride. Yes. You know, what a wild ride he had. In that lockout year, he had more success than a lot of people were expecting, I think. And then, you know, the challenges, the the moves he made, P.K. Subban. Subban. That probably goes down as the biggest one and the one that angered the fan base the most. Swung for the fences on the Pacioretty deal. A stunning Stanley Cup run kind of out of nowhere. You know, the, the thing that I think that he did best, and I think this is no small thing in Montreal, 
is that he had the courage of his convictions that he said, if I decide that this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. And I don't care what anyone else thinks. And I think that stressed him out and burned him out at the end because I think there's always a lot of oppositions to things you do. But that to me was the best thing about Bergevin was that he said, if I believe in something, I'm going to do it and I will deal with the noise. And I thought that was his best skill. I think every GM's resume is incomplete till two to three years after they're gone. But the development of players like Suzuki, Romanov, Cole Caulfield, Cole Caulfield, that is going to be critical to ultimately how Bergevin is remembered. The one thing that I wonder about, and there's no answer unless he wants to tell us the answer. If Montreal didn't go on the run that they did last year, and if all of this came crashing down around Bergevin last year, is Philip Deneau still a hab? I don't know the answer to that. Only Philip Deneau knows. But that's one of the questions that I have uh, about uh, Bergevin and the Montreal Canadiens. So one of the other things here, Jeff, that is really interesting to me is that I think in Chicago and Anaheim and whatever jobs also come open, Jeff Gordon was going to be a very high candidate. He was going to be in a good opportunity to get one of these jobs. And Montreal, which is probably the place we would have least picked him to go, steps up and gets him now. That's a fascinating part of this story for me. Yeah, so much for his career as an analyst on NHL Network, I suppose. (laughs) I'm sure he's really crushed about that. (laughs) Wait a sec. Sorry, sorry. I've got to turn down the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Because I'm too good at television. I'm sure that if you're the NHL Network, you know going in that you have Jeff Gorton but you may not have him for the whole season. Like, I'm with you. Like, it's a surprise. He could have had a lot of these jobs and more jobs that come available. We'll see if Jeff Molson addresses that at his presser Monday at 11 Eastern. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is... People will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. And uh, Elliot, sticking with the positive stories, let's talk about the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, <laughs> Sunday, Andreas Janssen sticks it to them, two goals, two assists, and New Jersey Devils beat the Philadelphia Flyers 5-2 to two in a, uh, I don't know, how would you describe the game that we just saw? 
it's tough for Philly. You can feel it mounting. I think Fletcher's looked around at some things, but he's really tight on the cap. He's got to go dollar in, dollar out, basically, right? Mm-hmm. I have wondered if you look at a former flyer like Rick Tockett, mm-hmm. Vigneault still has term on his deal. I, I don't know, but you just get the sense the pressure on there has is, is got to be to do something. Right. This is a big year for that team. They went out. You know, they made some changes. Atkinson, Ristolainen, Ryan Ellis, uh, who's been hurt and can't get healthy. That's a team that, and an organization that they're very proactive, right? I just think the pressure's on. The The weird thing for me and all of this, normally when we see Philadelphia go through something like this, we point to the goaltending and say, well, the goaltending is sinking them. They're getting good goaltending from Martin Jones and Carter Hart. Like, they're getting really good goaltending from these two. To me right now, depending on price, Hart's starting game one for the Canadian Olympic team. I believe so, but whenever I say that, people in St. Louis send me angry DMs about Jordan Bennington. Well, that's because you hate the Blues and everything they stand for. So that's why people are, are saying that to you. Well, look, I, like I understand Bennington for sure because Doug Armstrong was loyal to him and he started off great this year. But yep. to me, on merit... No, I'm with you. Carter Hart's been fantastic. He's getting game one. Yeah. And even Jones has been really improved from what we've seen him the past couple of years. Yeah. But right now, like that is just a team. You're looking at them and it screams... Something is coming. Let let me ask you something. Is not, though, the mitigating factor here, and you already winked at it, Ryan Ellis' injury, and let's throw Kevin Hayes in there as well. Yes, Hayes is a big loss. Those are two big injuries. Those are two big losses for them to start the season. Like I know this has been disappointing right now, and I know that there are people asking a lot of questions and demanding change, but do you not get a little bit more rope when you say, look. I don't think so. Kevin Hayes is out. Ryan Ellis is out. Like. I don't think so. I don't sense it. Philly not known for its patience, organizational or city-wise. Chuck Fletcher's a very patient guy. Mm -hmm. I think he always tries to be, but I think the desperation there is really starting to grow. Right now, anyone in Vancouver, specifically Canucks fans, are saying to themselves, when are they going to start talking about the Canucks? We're used to everybody talking about the Canucks. What is the latest with the Canucks, Elliot? Well, as we record this, I'm not watching the game because Almel told me to pay attention. But as I quickly look at the app, I see they're up 2-1 over Boston late in the second period. Jake DeBrusque is a healthy on this one, eh? Yeah. I got, you know, they've kind of been lost in everything. But I think pretty soon we're going to be talking about Boston. I think so, too. If this doesn't get better. But Vancouver, you know, the best thing that someone told me right now is that it feels like every game that Vancouver plays is a referendum on their franchise. And that is a really brutal space to be in. And I know that there are Canucks fans who do not like that changes haven't been made. And on some level, I'm surprised that interim changes haven't been made. But I do think that saying, hold on, we're not doing anything permanent until we're absolutely sure we have the right people, I think that's the right thing to do here. You know, you could make interim changes, no question about that, but the playoffs, they're gone this year. It's not happening. And I just think that that's the way they've decided to do it. Mm -hmm. Why do anything until we know exactly what we want to do? 
And I think that's really tough on Travis Green. I think it's really tough on some of their players. I think it's really tough on the organization because I'll give you a, a perfect example. So on Saturday night, we mentioned that they considered Scott Walker for their head coaching job. Now, I think they also considered Claude Julian, mm-hmm. and they decided you know that they weren't going to do Claude Julian, and they also looked at Scott Walker, but they decided they weren't going to do that. And Scott Walker, former NHLer, had a really good career involved with the Guelph Storm. He worked in player development for the Canucks uh, for four years, and he worked for Arizona after he worked for Vancouver. Well, I had someone call me on Sunday and say, there's no way your Scott Walker report is accurate. There's no way they approached him about coaching the team. And I said, I'm telling you, it's accurate. And he said, how do you know? And I said, you're never going to know that. And I gave them my standard answer that you have to know if you tell me things in confidence, I won't tell people that you told me that. And he says, well, I don't believe you. I don't think that report's accurate. And I said, that's fine. You can choose to believe me or not, but I'm telling you, they talked to him. And a couple hours later, they called me back and they're like, I think you're right. And we kind of had a good laugh about it. You know, he, he, like, he was like apologizing to me. And I'm like, you don't have to apologize to me. Like, it's really, it's really not necessary. We all hear conflicting information in this business. And sometimes we hear the same story from two different angles that gives you two different perspectives. So I was good with it. But what it said to me is that, you know, inside that organization, the Canucks right now, not everybody has the same information. We talked a week ago about, you know, factions and things like that. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that's what goes on. I think there's some people that know this and there's some people that know that and there's some people that know this other thing. And it gives you an idea of what life is like there right now. And I think that's a very hard way to go. But I think what ownership has decided is if we're going to do this, we're going to do this right. And the thing that's part of that is what we have talked about is that anytime you're hiring someone, even if it's someone you think you know, you have to be careful about it because you have to make sure. And I think all of these are factors. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing too is now Bergevin's available. Now Mellonby's available. And I'm not saying that those guys are going to get the job, but now all of a sudden you're sitting here and saying, wait a second, who else is going to become available? Yeah, There's a lot of stress around the league right now, Jeff. There really is. There's a lot of stress. Nerves are close to the skin everywhere. You can sense it. And, yeah. you know, I, I want to circle back to that point you made about how every game seems like it's a referendum when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks. We've seen this before with hockey teams, specifically Canadian hockey teams that spiral, to your point, because the pressure in these markets is just immense, especially when you have a start like Vancouver does. I think we've talked about this before. Sometimes it feels like you're not playing 82 games, but you're playing 82 one-game seasons. Every game feels like it's an entire season. Yeah, That has to be an incredibly difficult way to either coach, to play, to manage, all of that. I can only think about, and we talked last podcast about, you know, you wear it on your face. Travis Green is wearing this on his face. So coaches' faces during this can't lie. I just can't imagine the stress that everybody's going through here. I know fans are frustrated, everybody's stressed it's just like if you said point at the most unhealthy situation for everybody in the nhl i'd point at vancouver 
And I'd say, not a single person is enjoying this. Not a single person doesn't feel some discomfort here at some level, some more so than others, but everybody's feeling it, like at every single level. It's gotta be awful being there. You can really sense it. And I, and I think that's gonna grow around the league, especially you know places that aren't doing really well. Another place I kind of see it growing right now is Ottawa with the whole Matt Murray situation. So let's get there. So uh, Matt Murray waived, Matt Murray clears, Matt Murray sent to Belleville of the American mm-hmm. Hockey League. What happened here? So Jeff, I think this thing is was very complicated and I think there were very hurt feelings on both sides. I think the Sanders, you know, they traded for him, they signed him to a big contract, and they feel they simply haven't gotten the production. And to the Sanders, that's the bottom line. Matt Murray, he feels there are extenuating circumstances, particularly this year. He was sick at the beginning of the year with flu-like symptoms. He was injured in the Kreider play. And then while the Sanders had their COVID outbreak, I think he had a mix of positive and negative tests. So I don't know what to say exactly, but he definitely was sick again and he had symptoms. And, you know, his point was, I haven't really had a chance this year. And he apparently told them that I think you're using me as a scapegoat. And he was very upset about it. So you've got one side saying, Murray, that I'm being treated unfairly and blamed for what's happening. And you've got another side, the Senators, saying, you know, the bottom line is you simply haven't been good enough and we've got to put goalies in there who are. Look, the stress is building. They're having a really hard year. They wanted to at least take a step forward this season. It's not happening right now. They feel in in net there's better opportunities for them to win. And the bottom line is, they got to try to win some games. You know, the situation blew up. But, you know, to me, that perfectly identifies the fact that what Ottawa expected and what's going on, it's not the same thing. And the stresses are growing. Mm-hmm. And I do think they wanted to send a jolt through their lineup. I do think they did that. I think they wanted to say, look, our players are going to be shocked by this. And it's a sign that you know, we're going to do something to change things up and nobody should feel solid if you're not performing. Were you surprised nobody uh, claimed him? Because you were talking about it a bit. No, there were two that I thought might for a couple of different reasons. So I thought that Buffalo might just because of the unknown factor around Craig Anderson right now. Craig Anderson is now listed week to week. Um, by the Buffalo Sabres. I don't think they want to continue much longer with Dallin Tokarski as their pair. This is a year where a lot of young players are getting a lot of ice time and they want them to be in, you know, games that last three periods, not one. And they want them to, you know, have a season that doesn't end before Christmas. And it doesn't matter in a lot of ways what you do. Like, you know, you look at Tage Thompson, who's been a revelation at center so far. You don't want, you know, good work by young players undone by questionable goaltending. Because all that Buffalo probably wants right now is just someone that's better than those two. I thought they might at least have a conversation uh, about Matt Murray. And maybe they did. And I'm, I'm sure they did. But of course, ultimately, they didn't. The other team was Arizona as Arizona is going to be unloading as many veteran pricey contracts as they can, uh, Phil Castle being exhibit A, they still need to make the salary cap floor. 
And Matt Murray would go a ways to achieving that if they get rid of veteran players on big tickets um, and still need to make the floor. The problem with that for Arizona is in you know, the last two years of this deal, the money paid out is actually larger than the salary cap hits. Mm-hmm. So that's a no fly for the Arizona Coyotes. Those are the two. Like, like I preface it with like, look, we all expect him to clear, but if there's a couple of teams that would have some motivation to at least pause and think about it, Buffalo and Arizona would probably be the two obvious ones. Are there any other ones for you that you could have seen taking a, at least having a conversation about Matt Murray? Well, the other thing too is I don't get the sense that there's been a lot of trade talks with Murray prior to this. Mm -hmm. And now I wonder if there will be. Because the better chance is that... Ottawa eats money? Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't want to or they, they have to attach a sweetener to get it to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So I really wonder if that now becomes part of the question. We'll see. Do we talk about a deal where money is retained or a sweetener is included? That's what I wonder here. And the thing too, sending him to AHL Belleville, I mean, what does that do for Mad Sogard, Kevin Mandelisi? Like now all of a sudden you've got that issue at the American League level as you're trying to develop younger players. Before we get back to our regular programming, we need to talk about our partner, Montana's Barbecue and Bar. Taco Boat, really? That's right. With $5 tacos available every Tuesday, satisfy any taco craving when you try their seasoned grilled chicken, Mexi spiced beef, Kapow shrimp, or mixed veggie options. Mix and match to try them all or add one to the side of your favorite Montana's item. $5 tacos at Montana's Barbecue and Bar every Tuesday. Some conditions apply. Visit montanas.ca for details. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. A couple of more things here for each. Um, The New York Islanders and the postponed games. I don't think we're at the point where we say this means the Olympics are in jeopardy, but are we getting warmer here now, Fridge? You and I have been talking about this for a couple of weeks now. I don't think this jeopardizes the Olympics, but I do think the worry's gone up. As we've talked about, Jeff, mm-hmm. the teams are starting to really have big issues about this for the first time they're complaining. Emily Kaplan had a tweet on the weekend about players being really scared of what the quarantine would look like. If they test positive in Beijing. If they test positive in Beijing. You know, I've also had players say to me, like, 
I don't care. I want to play in the Olympics. Like one player told me that. I was like, are you serious? Like, do you understand what this could be? He goes, I want to play in the Olympics. But, you know, that's your choice. Mm -hmm. I hear the protocols for Vegas. If this happens and they're at the All-Star game, like there might not even be a media day, I heard, in Vegas now. Wow. Because they just don't want anybody talking to the players who could be going anywhere. And the event on the Strip? I don't know. That I haven't heard. But some, someone said to me, you think you're going to have media day at, in Vegas at the All-Star game? You might not. So yeah. it's going to be really something. Like we've said, we have about 40 days until this has to be decided. I don't like where this is trending. I really don't. You know, the other thing too, Jeff, is let's just say, knock on wood, and hopefully it doesn't happen, you test positive in China. It's not like you can hop on a plane and go back to your NHL city. No, you stay. There aren't flights going in and out of there. You stay in China. That's what's happening. So in November, someone sent me this story from November 17th. A Polish luge athlete who was injured during a Winter Olympics training event near Beijing was flown out of China on a cargo plane this week after coronavirus restrictions prevented him from taking a commercial flight, according to the head of Poland's Luge Association. Wow. When organizers tried to arrange, and the loser's name was Mateusz Sosiewicz, to travel back to Poland on a commercial flight, they were told that COVID regulations prevented him from doing so for another two weeks. So he traveled on an Air China cargo plane from Beijing to Milan before taking another flight to Warsaw. The cargo plane's interior was just like that of a passenger jet, mm. adding that Mr. Sochowitz had described his journey from Beijing as very comfortable. Oh, I should credit this was in the uh, by Raymond Jong of the, of the uh, New York Times. Wow, so you can fly in a... Cargo plane, you can fly <laughs> fly with livestock on the way back. Like, oh, I don't know. Geez. Like I said, like Emily tweeted that she spoke to somebody who said that they thought that was really scary. And I have no doubt that a number of players, but I had a player tell me that we're like, yeah, we still want to go. I was like, okay. Neither of those things surprised me. No, I, I know. I like, know. I, I, I understand both completely. As somebody who was a completely reckless 20-something and made ridiculous life choices, I could totally see someone saying, I still want to go. I get it. Like at that point in my life, I made ridiculously stupid life choices. So I get it. But if this was like up on top of your list of things to do in your life and it's your one chance to do it, you take more risks than just you and I would going like, hey, you want to go see the... You know, the the Great Wall and maybe take a side trip to go see the Terracotta Warriors? Like, no, like we're being frivolous. This is what they've worked for their entire lives. We talked about this last week. A couple more things here before I wrap up. Evander Kane waved by the San Jose Sharks. As we also find out, he has changed representation. Yeah. Uh, now being represented by Dan Milstein. Well, it should be mentioned that, you know, his previous agents were Newport and they're mentioned in the lawsuit that they feel he owes them commission. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's any surprise that he's not still being represented by them. You know, Kane was put on waivers, as you mentioned. I would be surprised if he was claimed. I think he's going to go to the American Hockey League. He's going to report. Milstein released in a statement, and then we'll see what happens. We had to do those annoying, burning questions that Amber makes us do in Leafs broadcasts. Mm-hmm. And he asked Stewie and I, do you think Kane plays again for San Jose? And Stewie said yes. 
And my answer was, what if someone says to San Jose, we're considering training for Kane, but we want to see him in NHL games first? Then he's going to play. And finally, do you have a thought on Brendan Lemieux, Brady Kachuk? You can't do it, right? And Kachuk, to say what he said, that's rare from an NHL player. Yep. And I think it's probably two things. I think it's he's mad about being bitten because he thinks it's BS. And it's also that he's mad about the losing, right? I thought about that more as I was driving home last night. His explosion was about two things. He's furious at that, and he's mad about the way Ottawa's season's going. And he takes it all out. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? Like, in that situation, who's going to criticize Brady Kachuk for saying what he said? Nobody. Not at all. And the fact he's been offered an in-person hearing. Yeah. One of the things that we're talking about now and is hygiene, right? Of course. And someone said to me, do not underestimate the role that that plays in all of this. Well, and that's interesting because previous, I mean, we haven't seen suspensions for biting. Two games. Two games here. In 2009, Yarko Rutu. 2008 or 2009. Uh, and that was on Andrew Peters. Yes. Yeah, but it's like one game for Mark Savard, two games for Yarko Rutu, and now all of a sudden, yeah, we're offering an in-person? Yeah. Imagine right now if Marchand licked Callahan. Uh, can you imagine for one second? That would be the NHL's first licking suspension. That would be a 10-million-game suspension. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the Marty McSorley-Eric Lindros biting story? What's that one? So I confirmed this with, with Berkey because he would have been the sheriff at that point for the NHL. It was just a different time. and Marty is a different person, but um, this is back when McSorley was playing with the San Jose Sharks and Eric Lindros was playing with the Philadelphia Flyers. So <clears throat> Marty tells me this story one day after we had worked together at uh, Sportsnet. And we were talking about, you know, guys, you always, I remember I asked him, I said, who's the one guy you always wanted to fight and just wouldn't fight you? And he said, Eric Lindros. And I said, but one time I got real close because I had always, he said, I would always go at Lindros, try and draw him in, trying to draw him in. And he would never do it, never do it. Except one time, it might've been like after a goal or something, Eric finally was frustrated and went for it. And we got real close and he bit me. And I went, what? He goes, yeah. And, and Eric bit me. And uh, he said the next day, because the papers went nuts with it, right? Like Eric Lindros bites Marty McSorley. We got to throw this guy out of the league. This has to be a 10-game suspension. The NHL can't stand for this. And Marty says he got a call the next day from Brian Burke. That I mentioned was, you know, uh, essentially in the George Peros role now, uh, back then. And Berkey said, look, like we're real close to suspending Lindros and it's going to be a big one. I just need you to confirm to me because you can't really tell on the video and you can go watch the video on YouTube. You can't really tell in the video whether he really bit you or not. And Marty says, ah, geez, Berkey, I don't know. Things happen in a fight. And Berkey's like, Marty, I can't do anything unless you tell me. Like, did he bite you or not? Ah, geez, Berkey, you know, uh, I can't really remember. I don't know. I'm not sure. And Brian says, I'm going to ask you one more time, Marty, because I'm ready to throw the book at him. I just need you to tell me that he bit you. And Marty says, Brian, he didn't bite me. Now you go and tell Bobby Clark he owes me one. Wow. What a story. <laughs> 
Just a different guy, <laughs> a different time. This sounds like a Hey Berkey. That would be a great Hey Berkey. Hey, Amel, let's get the Eric Lindros biting story in one of the Hey Berkeys next time we sit down to do an animation. It is one of my favorite stories. And you can see Marty doing it. Brian, he didn't bite me. Now go tell Bobby Clark he owes me one. It was a different time, Fridge. It was a different time. Well, that's a, the second best biting story I heard this weekend, but a better one for oh, yeah? Hey Berkey. Because Bieksa mentioned that David Amber once bit his sister. What? Yeah, when they were kids. He mentioned it on the air. I don't think Amber was very happy, so it's a good thing we didn't mention it on this podcast. <laughs> okay, you know what? Let's end with <laughs> let's end with something light then, Elliot, coming on the heels of a, a Brendan Lemieux biting story here. Someone, a gentleman by the name of Bill Tuspile, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right there, Bill, uh, goes by the Twitter handle John Cougar Colleen Camp. <laughs> actually paid via cameo Gilbert Gottfried to read the Brady Kachuk post-game statement in only the way that Gilbert Gottfried can. Let's end the podcast. This is awesome. awesome. I never thought I would say this, Elliot Namel. Let's end the podcast with Gilbert Gottfried. Chuck was furious. This is the one time I'm going to answer this, said Doc Chuck. It was the most gutless thing somebody could ever do. This guy, you can ask any one of his own teammates, nobody ever wants to play with him. This guy is a bad guy and a bad teammate. He focuses on himself all the time. This, the guy's just a joke. He shouldn't be in the league. The guy's gutless. No other team wants him. He's going to keep begging to be in the NHL. No other team is going to want him. He's an absolute joke. I can't even wrap my head around it. People don't even do this. He's just a bad guy. Takachuk didn't stop there either. It's outrageous. Kids don't even do that anymore. Babies do that. And I don't even know when he was uh, thinking. He just a complete brickhead. He's got nothing up there. Bad guy, bad player. What a joke he is to Kajuk. <sighs> you know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view and they all had to stay somewhere and many used airbnb i want to share something with you i was once told one of the wisest things you can do when you host an airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners many did this with the eclipse you can do this as well your home could be an airbnb seriously it doesn't have to be your whole place i mean it could be you'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel it's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. 
Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host.